Man. He tickles me so much that sometimes I want to throw up. Amen. Hallelujah. This morning, we're going to continue on uh, in the book of Hebrews. We're in chapter 11, which is probably, uh, for most of us, the most well-known chapter. We've, we've gone there a lot. And we just want to pray. Jesus. God, I thank You so much for this day. I thank You for this celebration of fathers that we have the opportunity to do today. I thank You, God, that You are our Father. And You are an example to us as what a father should be. Lord, we know that this day is difficult for many. We pray, God, that You would cut through those things and minister to us, Lord. Father, as we go into a time of the Word, that You would bring freedom. God, and ministry and encouragement. Pray that You would expound on Your Word. God, most of all, I pray that Your Spirit is present this morning. That Your anointing is here. God, I know there are people in this room, God, who have bondages, who have chains of their own. Perhaps this day has brought them out. God, we pray that the anointing would break the yoke of bondages in our life today. God, we don't need a sermon. We don't need a talk. Lord, we need the power of the living God manifest in our lives. We need the Holy Spirit evident. God, we need freedom. We need vision. Take us to another step, another level in freedom and in You, Lord Jesus. God, we don't want just a better life now. God, we want the life that You have for us now. God, we commit this morning, this time to You. Lord, You know how there's been much prayer going into this morning already. Come, move in our midst. Be with us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. That's in the New King James. In the New Living Testament, it's very similar. It says, what is faith? It is the confident assurance that what we hope for is going to happen. It is the evidence of things we cannot yet see. Hebrews chapter 11 is the, the hall of faith. We're going to talk about some of the people, the, those men and women of faith that have gone on before us. And as you've read this, or if we had the time to actually read the whole thing. We go on and it, it just talks about how they each lived a life of faith. And I don't know about you, but when I've read this, some of the people in there, I thought, how 
was that an act of faith? I mean, just being honest, I've read that. It says, some of the things that are listed, we'll talk about some. Was that really an act of faith? It says, Enoch was taken away because of his faith. What did he do? He just simply walked with God. He didn't... He didn't do anything magnificent. He didn't build the ark. He didn't bring the people out of Egypt. But yet, Enoch is listed as a man of faith. Enoch walked with God. Faith looks different in each of us. God calls us to rise up to different levels of faith. But this morning, we want to talk about faith. Now, specifically, I want to speak to the men today. I want to speak to fathers and men of all ages. Ladies, you get to endure this message with us. I believe it's applicable to all of us, but I need to get a hold of men this morning. Being Father's Day, one of the things we never want to do on Father's Day is beat up the men. You know, and this happens sadly in churches. It's the one day that some guys will come to church because they go to church with their wife and then the pastor goes and condemns all the men for not being good enough. I don't want to do that this morning. But I do want to challenge us to step up and rise up as men. I want to honor men for who they are and what they do and what God has put into their hearts and lives. See, we, we live in a time right now that, that we're even confused of what men should be. What is a man? We're going to get a ton of different definitions. Depending on where you live in the country, you're going to get a different definition of what a man should be like and what a man should do. Sadly, we're living in a result, in a culture of the result of a sexual revolution that changed everything. And for the last 30, 40 years, men have changed their roles and are very confused, truly, about who they are and who they're supposed to be. We've been living in a generation for the past 30 to 40, 50 years of broken homes where men have grown up in single parent families most of the time with their moms. That has also created difficulties in understanding who am I as a man? If you were raised only by women, you're going to look very different from a guy who was raised by not just a man, but maybe an involved man, maybe a man who liked to hunt. And you're going to compare yourself and say, well, that's not me. So there's a lot of confusion. But we want to come and understand that God has created many different personalities and character styles. But some of the things we're living with today are not because of what God created. It's because of the enemy has created inside of us. This message is today is no matter what your personality style is, men, we have a job to do. We have a role that God wants us to take up. No matter what your personality, no matter what your bents, what your desires, we're all called to be leaders. Every man in this room is called to be a leader. We're called to lead our homes. Now, I want to give kind of a, a preemption in this, in this message because I know that this is a difficult day for some. I know that then we start talking about men and fathers that immediately... Uh, right now, there are people who aren't here in service today. Some people who probably chose not to come because Father's Day is so difficult. Because they had a father who was abusive. Or they 
had a father who neglected them. Or they didn't have a father at all. Maybe they're married to somebody who's supposed to live as a godly father or the man who's got the responsibility. He's supposed to live up to the title of father who doesn't. And every time Father's Day comes around, that woman usually understands that she's not just the mom, she's the dad too. I understand these things. And what sometimes we'll do, because of these things, we'll avoid this topic. We'll skirt around it. We won't talk about rising up men and, and, and understanding what the, the proper place sh- should be. So I'm talking about the ideal today of what God desires. And I've been in prayer, and I know there's been others praying, and, and I didn't ask them to, but I found out there's been others praying for this service. Even in that, that, that God would help those who struggle with Father's Day to get through today. I'd ask that you would, even now, Lord Jesus, help us not to get lost in what we didn't have or the hurts that we had. But God, let each of us in this room hear and become part of the solution to changing things in others' lives, even if it's too late in our personal lives. Maybe our dad is already dead, and maybe we're now parents, grandparents, and we go, well, does this even apply? God, help us to see that we can pour into young men and help others to rise up to the place that God would have of them. Help us today, Lord Jesus. I want to talk about what it should be. Not focus on what it isn't or what it wasn't. Can we do that together today? Because we, as the church of Jesus Christ, of the present day saints. Right? That's who we're supposed to be. Present day saints. We're supposed to be holy and living an example in the world. And we're supposed to be world changers instead of hiding from the world all the time. And we're seeing our culture degrade rather quickly in this country as freedoms are stripped away left and right. Never, I'm amazed at how quickly in the last just few years things have changed. And it's time for the church to rise up in power not in our own, but in the power that God gives us and began to stand more and more and more and more and begin to help people to grow, even in simple things like handing out a card to somebody and saying, hey, I'd like to invite you to this this meeting. You're going to hear from a great guy who's a great speaker. Boy, I didn't like to play that video before I spoke because I'd rather just listen to Jason all morning. He's a powerful man of God who has a message about power to change. It's not within us other than God living in us. We can't create that power. It's not something we conjure up. God in us gives us the power to change. And the world needs to hear that message. And we, church, this is kind of a side, we need to begin to rise up more and more and help people, lead them to the one who can help them change. Jesus Christ. These cards are wonderful because they're very easy to give out. We used to go to Hollywood quite a bit, and I'm desiring to take a a trip down there and take some of you adults and some of the kids back down there, maybe this summer, but definitely by next summer, do something like that. And we'd hand out tracts, little pieces of paper, to people that talk about Jesus. And there's a lot of fun ways you can get a card into somebody's hand. Things that you wouldn't think of around July. Walking down the street and somebody's walking up, and you say, Hey, Merry Christmas! And they stop, 
They go, okay, well, I just wanted to get your attention, just had a little something I want to give to you. And often, I'll hand something like this upside down, say, hey, I just wanted to give this to you. Because now I put it in their hand, they haven't seen it yet. I gave it upside down. Because the moment you give it upside down, like, what is this? So you put it in their hand, and you step back, and you say, it's just a little invitation to something going to happen in a couple weeks. We can all do these. You know, I used to do with little tracks like this. I'd go into, into uh, the, the restroom at Carl's Jr. or wherever I was at. And I'd put one of these, I'd unroll the toilet paper, and I'd put a couple in, and I'd back roll it. <laughs> and so next time someone's doing, sitting there doing their business, they go to pull the toilet paper. Out comes something they can read. <laughs> you, you know that you know how the, the napkins they kind of flip up out of those little dispensers. You pull a little bit and you stick this down there. So next time someone pulls a napkin, this comes flying out at them, and hopefully it doesn't scare them. And they go, "What is this?" But we, you know, we need to, to begin to get a little more bold and and get get the word out ourselves. And this is just an easy way to do it. And I want to encourage us because we need to rise up. As a church, one of the worst things that was ever said to me in my whole life, and I've had some pretty bad things said to me, amen? <laughs> he, 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 he knows of some of them. That's why I've told him the stories. It's not him. The worst thing that was ever said to me, I was in high school, and I got saved, and I was a zealot, and the Maryland men went to high school together, and I was kind of one of those nuts. I actually gave an altar call in my English class, <laughs> Mrs. Dawson, we were we, we had to do a we had to do a, um, a, a comparison. I, I should do two. Um, one, she, I had to compare two books. So I compared the book of Mark to the book of Matthew, and at the end, I gave I gave an altar call. So I was a, I was a little zealous in high school for Jesus, and um, boy, I forgot why I even said all that. Worst thing. So, but I was also young and struggling in my faith. And wasn't always doing the things I should be. I was, I was tempted and, and I, I was one time just hanging out and I wasn't doing anything wrong, but I'd been hanging out with a group of friends, uh, well, people I thought I wanted to be friends with because I was kind of lonely in school and wasn't always most real popular because of some of the things I did. And somehow the conversation of Christianity came up and they said, I didn't know you were a Christian. And that was during a period that I had backed off. And it was the worst thing that anyone ever said to me. Because everyone should know I'm a Christian. Those who had any contact with me more than at the store, and even then, after a few visits to the store, I hope they'll know I'm a Christian. It's the worst thing anyone ever said. I didn't know you were a Christian. Church, let it never be said. Of us, I didn't know you were a believer. It's time to rise up in faith, rise up in power, and become what God is desiring. This message this morning is, is, is about rising up in faith. Now faith is. See, we, we don't always know what the future holds. We don't always have all the answers, and that's where Guys especially, you know, we need to, to pray and ask and work up faith in our lives. I don't know what it is, but it seems that women have an easier time with faith than us men. And I know it's a generalization, but it, it seems to be true. We're, 
We're doers. We like to know. We want the solid facts. Trusting in things. There's, there's something a gift. But guys, we need to stir that up. Truly faith. Not relying on ourselves, man. We're really good at that. We know how to rely on ourselves. But we need to begin more and more to trust in God. One day, could they write a book about our faith? Oh, look at the faith of Corey, of Gary, of Ernie. And the exploits they did. And even if the exploit is he walked with God. That's a great testimony. Rising up and understanding and walking into what God has for us. Truly, God does give us power to change. But He also has power to change for the unbelievers. I'm excited. I'm really excited about this. these tent meetings coming up. I put a, I put a lot of heart into it because I believe it's, a, it's an easy place for us to invite people. If you attend a life group, you, you hear often, who are you praying for and who can we invite to life group and those things are difficult. This is going to be an event where it's, you can just drag some friends with you and just please come. Just tell them, I'm going to tell you now, your pastor is telling you, you have to bring somebody one night that week so you can go to your friend and say, listen, my pastor told me I have to bring somebody. Would you just please come so that I can fulfill my quota? Blame it on me. Drag them there. And let, let Jason preach the Word of God. Let them feel the presence of God as we enter into worship. Faith. Men. Let's talk about Hebrews 11 a little bit. Without reading it, just going to talk about some of the, the acts of faith in Hebrews 11. It says in verse 2, For by faith the elders obtained a good testimony. And what, what, what did each one do? We are listed in here. We understand that God through His Word framed the universe. That's an act of faith. Abel, Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice. Enoch, Enoch was taken away. The Bible says that Enoch walked with God and he was no more. And he's listed as somebody who had great faith simply because he walked with God. Noah, he prepared an ark. Come on, that's just kind of crazy in the middle of the desert, building a big boat in a land that had never seen rain. In the desert. And by faith, he spent a hundred years getting mocked and ridiculed. Because he believed the God who said, do it. Build an ark. Do it. What has God said to you? God, I can't. I can't share my faith with that person at work. God, I can't, I can't pray, I can't pray for, for that offering. Just do it. Begin to step out and rise up. Abraham did a lot. But Abraham obeyed 
as he went out, even though he didn't know where he was going. Now, through this message, we, under, we I want to talk to you women. Ladies, you need to help us. As we rise up and try to take and walk by faith and say, God is leading me to do this. Help us out. And don't criticize us too much. <laughs> Encourage us. Because it's something new for us. Abraham went to a place he didn't know. And he left the security of his people to be obedient. Hey, honey, where are we going? I know the way, dear. Don't worry. Do you need directions? Nope. Don't need directions. Even back then, men driving blind. He obeyed and he went. Then it says, Abraham dwelt in the land. What land? He had to stick it out. Ladies, men, we need to learn better how to stick it out. God calls us to do something. And we need to go and say, okay, I'm here. And nothing's going to move me. I'll guarantee you that most of the things that you go to stand in aren't going to work out the way you think they're supposed to work out. And it's going to fail miserably at the beginning. And it's going to be really difficult. But you got to stick it out. You got to stick it out. You just got to keep faith. God told me. Be like Horton. <laughs> Faithful, right? I, st I said what I meant, and I meant what I said. There, you know, the elephant's faithful 100%. And he sat, and he sat, and he sat. Let's be like that. Hey, God, I'm going to do it. You know, I, I, I'm sharing some real, real vulnerable stuff this morning, so I, I hope you're okay. It's really difficult for me when people come to me and say, God told me to, blah, 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 blah. And two weeks later, they're doing something different. And then I see them again. I say, oh, well, God told me to go do that. Did God change his mind that quick? Let's stick it out. Of course, we want to make sure it's, it's God. Get some counsel. Get prayer. Go to somebody. Go to one of the pastors, your life group leader. Go to somebody and say, man, this is what I feel like God is telling me. And here, here's... And, and we can want to help you work through that. We want to make sure you're not going to just go off and, and, and set her home because the rapture is going to happen in May. Okay? But we do want to step out in faith more than we are. Because this world is going to hell in a handbasket. And we're the light of the world. And as we step out, we can take some with us. Stick it out. All died in faith. Not having received promises, it says, all those people never even fully received their promises. They died yet receiving them. Flash for us microwave generation. I mean, we want it now. I mean, a couple of years ago I had this experience. I was, I was looking for, I, I can't remember what I was looking for. I just remember it happening. I think I was looking for a park or something. And I found a little, and I emailed the address going, hey, I need this. And I sent it. And I came back ten minutes later saying so they answered me. And I was upset that they hadn't. Okay? Some of you nod and you go, I've done that. We have been trained, sadly, to live and expect everything right now. The problem with that is God doesn't always work right now. I met some people in Guatemala in our ministry. We ministered to those coming in learning the language. And, and so a lot of them were missionaries who were going to 
their mission spot. And we got to, it was praise, it was such a neat time. We got to help them go through the culture shock. This was usually their first spot in going to the mission field full time. And they would come and live in Antigua for, for three, sometimes six months, sometimes just a few weeks. And we got to work with them and, and help them through the transition. And, and um, it, was just, it was a wonderful time. But one time we had some people come from the Middle East, actually, I think it was Northern Africa. And I'm really bad of, of remembering the details. There was a little tiny uh, uh, province that they were living in. They had about 100,000 people, but they were Spanish-speaking. They had been there for hundreds of years, and they were Muslim. And they just existed. Um, they had you know, probably down from Spain at some point, but, but the, they were devout Muslim. And these people were there ministering to them. And so it was really exciting because they were living in a Muslim country and they needed to get their Spanish better so they could minister in northern Africa to the Spanish-speaking Muslims. And they were in Guatemala learning Spanish from gringos. No, I don't know. But <laughs> And we talked to them. They said, we're the third generation, not familial, but the third generation of missionaries that were there, just small groups of people. They were the third group. And the first group was there for 40 years. And they didn't see one convert. And the next group was there for like 25, 30 years. And they saw revival and they had one convert. And they were so excited because they'd been there for a couple of years. And they had seen 600% growth over the past missionaries. There had been six converts. Go into a land that you know not of and dwell there. They were faithful in planting the seeds, generations of people, for 40 years, then for another 25 years, finally they were beginning to see fruit. You don't know when it's going to break, but if you're faithful, God will use you. It's not about the parts you play. It's not about the results you get. It's play the part. Stick it out. It's hard to die without ever seeing your promises come to pass. But you know all the promises are going to be fulfilled when we walk with Jesus? Amen. I know that God is a God who heals. And I believe He heals today and He does miraculous things. And yet, I don't see everybody healed. My consolation is that everybody who's saved will be healed when they walk with Jesus. I may not see it in my life, but it's going to happen. I'm going to stand firm because he told me to pray. Abraham offered Isaac, his only son, as an offering by faith. He believed in God strong enough that he thought God can at least raise him from the dead. And God proved faithful to him. Abraham trusted. He had faith. Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning the things to come. And you go, how was that faith? He didn't even want to bless Jacob. But he trusted God. And at the end of that story, he finally realized he couldn't fight against God anymore. God had intended for him to bless Isaac and not Esau the whole time. And he finally said, God... Jacob blessed each of his sons of Joseph, and he worshipped. 
Joseph knew that 400 years later they would need to leave Egypt. He knew that God would bring them out. And so he said, listen, you're going to leave this place someday. We won't always be part of Egypt. You're going to leave here when you do carry my bones out. He trusted in God that God would bring them back out into their own land once again. Moses refused the easy life. So Jason was talking about. He's talking about the guy who was in prison. You go, oh man, he had he had it better in prison than he, I'm sure he did in Costa Rica. He may have even had it better in the natural things of life in the jail than he was going to once he got out and started a life, having to work hard to to earn. Moses didn't have to work. He was prince of Egypt, and he refused the goodness of that life. He he refused the sinful side of it. He says, "No, I'm going to be part of my people, even if it's difficult." We live in Egypt. And we have a lot of good stuff around us. Let's not get too entangled with it. Let's refuse to live like everyone else for the sake of God. He chose to stand by his people. Moses, he forsook Egypt. He didn't fear the king. Time's coming, I believe. Not prophesying it. I just am looking at the signs of the time. The time is coming when we're going to have to refuse the king of this land. And we're going to have to stand up for righteousness even though it's illegal. We're going to have to not go and play patty cake with the devil so we can have our easy things and not be oppressed by the government. If we don't build up faith now, when the time comes, we won't be able to withstand then. He left Egypt. He didn't fear the king. He kept the Passover. That'd be a tough one. Hey, guys. Uh. You might want to think about killing a lamb today and putting some blood up on things because if you don't, one of your kids is going to die. Have a good day. <laughs> kind of a weird message to give. <clears throat> Even doing it. What am I doing? I'm going to kill blood. But he had faith. He kept the Passover. The people passed through the Red Sea. I, you know, I, who, who's afraid of drowning? I, I love the water. I just spent a week at San Clemente boogie boarding and, and surf, you know, body surfing and just having a great time. Thanks again, Pat, for the use of all your, your stuff. His, his wetsuit fit me and it was nice. It was cold water. And I love the water, but I'm afraid of drowning. It doesn't hold me back from going out, but when I'm out there and I get tumbled in a wave and you don't know which way is up, and you're under there for a while. You go, man, can I stay under here any longer? And you got to start going, am I going to suck water? And you start going, what a horrible way to die. Drowning. I just, you know, it's my, kind of a phobia thing. I'm like, I don't want to die any uncomfortable way. I hope to die. I, I hope to die sleep, you know, peaceful in my sleep. Not screaming in terror like the rest of my pet, the passengers in my grandfather's car. But, um... They're standing on the beach. The water opens up, and it's a long way over there. They've got the people behind them, but that's a quick death. And they have to march through the claustrophobic, water-ridden area. Some of us would go, I ain't go there. I'd rather die quickly than possibly get halfway through and get smothered by the water. They cross through. 
final act of going, once we cross over, we ain't ever coming back. Other subdued kingdoms, they worked righteousness, the Bible says. They obtained the promises. They stopped the mouths of lions. They quenched the violence of fires. Escaped the edge of the sword. They became valiant in battle. Turned to flight the armies of the aliens. That's who's written about in, in Hebrews 11. And he goes on, he says, we could have talked so much more about the prophets and the others. When God comes, will he find faith in the earth? When God comes, will he find faith in me? I want to become a man of faith. I want to stand for righteousness. And I was thinking, all of these acts, what do they have in common? They were all done by people who knew God. They knew God. We need to become a people. Men, we need to become a people who know God. In 1 John, as he's sharing, he, he talks to the children, to the young men and to the men, and he's talking to the children of the faith and the young people of the faith and then the fathers of faith. But the fathers, he says the same thing twice. I write to you fathers because you've known him who is from the beginning. We need to know God. We'll never walk in faith and have exploits of faith without coming to know God. That's our highest goal, man. Fathers. We have to know God. We have to be led by Him. Can't be those who talk about God and live a life to our family that denies His existence. We shouldn't sit at home and teach our kids, kids, church is important, and then go boating every Sunday. Second Peter 1, 3 and 4. Just a little bit to the right of Hebrews. His, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. That's tough for us guys right there. We think we've got to do so much. But He's already done it. He's given us everything we need for life and godliness. How? Through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these He has given us His very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Everything we need for life and godliness is in Him. We need to become a people, men who know God. We need to know Him better. We're going to be successful. We're going to be overcomers. We're going to be people of faith, valiant. I'm looking at these young men sitting up here. As you begin to know God, it's going to transform your world. And I know some of you, man, I'm not going to, have to transform my world. I'm going to be a dork. You ever think that? 
Yeah, I got no God. I didn't give me you know. Yeah, who wants to hang out with a Christian in seventh grade? Sadly, it's true. But you will become an overcomer. And I want to speak to the young people here. One of the greatest things that ever happened to me, said to me, was after I graduated. And I, I, I was, I wasn't hated in school. I just didn't have a lot of close friends. I knew everyone and everyone got along with me and liked me okay. But, but I was just taboo enough to not be good friends with. And so I, I wasn't really good friends, even though I'd gone to high the school up here for, from first grade all the way through graduation. I knew everyone, but didn't hang out with most of them. And about a year or two after graduation, I was at the movie theater. And a guy that I knew forever, John Leroy, of, you know, part of the, the Leroy family, came up to me. And he was always nice to me. You know, there was a couple guys who weren't, but he was always nice to me and friendly. And he came up to me and stopped me at the movie theater. He'd come back from college for the summer. And he just simply said, hey, Rob, I'm really sorry that I didn't spend more time to get to know you better in high school. Because I remember watching you, and I now know that you were the real deal. And I regret that I didn't get to know you better then. Because all my other friends, they're, you know, basically he would say they, were, they, they weren't around. So I didn't see the fruit of having the friends at the time, but I made an impact in their lives later. Live for God. Be a, be a man. Be a woman of faith. Get to know Him. And we, we'll be part of that great, great cloud of faith people in Hebrews 11. How do we get faith? Romans 10, 17 says, Faith comes by hearing and hearing through the Word of God. Jude says, Build yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. You can't grow in faith by osmosis. You can't just grow in faith even by coming here on a Sunday or even attending a life group. You've got to press yourself into the Master. Press into Him. Get to know His character and His nature. You really have to spend time with someone to know their true nature, their true character. Read His Word. Spend time with God. Get to know Him. The best thing we can offer our children is God. It's the very best thing. We don't want to be those who spend our life working hard in the physical to provide finances or private school or and not give them faith. Because that's what they're going to remember all of their life. It's the faith of their fathers. I'm looking at godly men this morning. I'm looking at men whom God wants to get to know. He wants to call us out and be separate from the world. He's looking for us to take an, another step. Oh, and how He loves us so. God loves us so. He's desiring that we would get to know Him more and more. God is Desiring a deeper relationship with each of us. We are supposed to be leaders in our homes. Now, I know things happen. Some people get into a relationship with, with a, some men get into this relationship with, with a, such a, a strong woman, it's almost difficult to become the leader. Some of you didn't have a dad. I, I grew up with a, a father, 
but he was really an absentee father. He wasn't involved in my life. I know he loved me, but, but he wasn't really involved in my life. So my influences were my mom and my sister. And uh, so I kind of came out a little extra sensitive. And, uh, you know, I was the kid. Part of it was probably a personality from, from God, but part of it was, was being, uh, you know, nurtured by, by two women more than, more than the guys, though I, I'm thankful that I had guys to beat me up and keep me in check a little bit. Um, but I was the kid who, when, when the guys go out and capture the frog and put him in the slingshot and, you know, for whatever they do, you know, and it's all fun and games, right? Guys are like, yeah. You know, pulling off, just simple things, pulling off the wings off of bugs. All you girls are going, oh, don't do that. Right now, the guys go, yeah, I remember doing that. And they are remembering the things you did. Firecrackers and places and frogs and things like that. And it's all the girls going, oh, and no, and none of the guys. Because they remember what, I was the kid that you knew back when you were a kid who said, don't do that. How would you like it if a big giant put a firecracker in you and blew you up? I was the sensitive boy. But God has called me to be a lion tamer. God has called me to be a giant killer. He's called me to be a leader. And I have to fight against some of my tendencies that were put into me truly from a dad who was absent from my life so that I can rise up and become stronger than what the world and the devil wanted me to be. And God helping, God permitting, I will do so. Because I don't want to leave the leadership role that God has for me to a person who God did not anoint to have it. My wife. He did not anoint my wife to be the head of my family. Now if I back out, and she is forced into the position, God will enable her to do it. And some of you women have been are living in homes that you're it. By default, you have... But that's not the way God intended it to be. Men, we need to rise up and say, I will follow God and I will lead my family in the things of God. I'm going to break the norms. We're stepping on toes because the world says, oh no, men and women are the same. They have the same value, but they are not the same. They have a different purpose. I have a lot of tools, not as many as some of you, but I have some tools in my arsenal. And if, if I want to cut, you know, I've got a skill saw and I've got a belt sander. And if I want to cut through a two-by-four, I don't grab the belt sander, even though it costs the same as my skill saw, and sit it on the piece of wood and cut it. It's going to take a long time to get through that two-by-four with a belt sander. It'll do it. But it's going to be the wrong tool for the job. I'm talking we are equal in value, but highly different in our roles that God has ordained for us. And I believe as the church, we need to begin more and more to stand up and say, no, God has an order. What we see around us is not His plan. God will redeem that, but let's start preaching and talking and teaching and encouraging God's order. Men, rise up and become the leaders of our families and lead into godliness. There comes a time that if the mom is going to church, 
the kids will go too. But there comes a time in the young kid's life, especially the boys, that they'll stop going to church with mom. And they'll only go if dad goes. Why? Because women have value, but they weren't created to do everything. We have to rise up. Now, this is the part that gets hard because some of you are saying, you know, I've already raised my family. And I didn't walk with God. Am I cursed? You're not cursed. You're redeemed. And God will restore back the things that the locust has eaten. Even in our bad decision making. So we have to take responsibility and say, you know what? I blew it. If you weren't saved, you didn't even know what to do. But if you were saved and you blew it, you just got to say, I blew it. God, forgive me. Redeem my mistakes. And he's the redeemer. And you trust him. And you don't beat yourself up over it. And we move on. But you might be the man or even the woman in this room who can help some of the younger guys to rise up. Even what Bobby is, is doing, Bob Martinez working with the young men. I know Greg and some of the other guys were involved in spending the weekend up at, at Pine Summit pouring into the lives of these young men because some of them didn't have fathers. We can all do something like that. But we need to, to step up and stop just falling into what the world says. Well, a single parent family is just as good as a married family. Two dads is just as good as a mom and a dad. It's, it's not God's order. It's not God's order. It's sad that divorce rate is as high as it is in the church. It is in the world. God will redeem it, but let's not encourage it. Let's just not give in and say, well, that's just the way it is. Rise up. This morning, I want to speak to all the men. If I could have all the men, actually, not just, just stand, but if I could have all the men come to the, to the front I'm going to ask Pastor Jeff to come and help me. And start. Just come and make, make a line all the way across. Starting all the way at that wall. Let's crowd in. Glad we're in a smaller church. We couldn't do this if we had 4,000 of us. And just kind of stand right in front of chairs. And right here. Just do this. This is perfect. I'm going to come and stand over here. If, you, if you're nervous about looking at the other people. You just stand over there. Wow. I look. I look at these men. This is amazing. You know, I, this is Father's Day. Don't you know you're supposed to be out fishing? Golfing. Golfing? You guys have, have spent your morning of your day and, and come together to worship God and to be, to be part of this. But I, I'm looking at a, at a group big enough here to change our valley. Imagine if we just together began to stand for righteousness and lead our families into the things of God. Help the younger men become godly men. Help those on your work crews to honor God. I believe we could really make a huge impact in, in our valley. This morning I want to I wanna commission us all as men. Encourage us, challenge us. To walk with God. To walk with Him and, and get to know Him better. To, to be those who would spend time in His Word. Read the Bible. Be in fellowship, linking arms with 
other men. Setting an example for those around. Becoming true men who would treat ladies with respect. I want to, I believe we are all here can be valley changers. And if we change our valley, we could change our county. If we changed our county, we might be able to change our state. Now that, that's a miracle right there. We live in California. <laughs> you know? We got the Eaches of, Witches of East Bay up there doing a lot of these things. We want to change our state. This morning we want to give a, we want to give a, a gift to everyone and Pastor Jeff and help. You know, I know guys don't read a lot. Some of us, you know, just not always readers. This, this is a book is called Wild at Heart. This is a life-changing book. And I'll tell you one of the reasons why is because we live in a society that tells us that men aren't supposed to be men. That, you know, it's really sissified men a lot. I'm going to give one. We have for every single person in here. Back here. Pass those right back. We can't get to the back. We want to give that. But this book. Thank you. Talks about men being men. The importance of what that is and what it really looks like. Who hasn't gotten one yet? Uh, who, who's read this? Some of you guys have already read it. I'll ask you guys. Should they read? Should the other guys read this? <laughs> oh yeah, and, yeah. After you read it, give it to your wife, because this this could change your life. And and some of you, you're going to understand why you do the things that you do. And you're going to say, wow, I just thought I was weird. Your wife is going to read and go, now I understand why my husband does the things he does. One of our callings in life is to rescue the damsel. Rescue the woman in peril. God put that in us. You're going to discover that. We need to have a fight, a battle to fight. That's God ordained into our life. Did you get one? Okay. That's God ordained. And... And I do pray that this will change us. But as we go from here this morning, I want you to be encouraged. I'm looking at godly men. I'm looking at men who are doing it well. I'm looking at some men probably who went, I didn't do it well. But I'm going to change. God helping. He's going to give me power to change. Can we pray? God, I thank you for who you've created us to be. We're men. We're different from women. God, in front of me are, are people of different characters and personalities, different passions, young, middle-aged, older. We have fathers and grandfathers. Lord, I thank you for, for all fathers, that you've put them in this world to be an example of who you are to us. God, as fathers, I pray that we would look to your example to help us to become better fathers. Help us to read your word and see your heart for your children and have the same heart for our own. For the other men, those who aren't fathers yet or just aren't fathers, God, you've placed them to be fathers to some. God, or they will become fathers in the future. I pray, Lord, that you would help each of us as men rise up. Become men of faith. Not pansies. Not wimps. 
Not sissies, but lion tamers, giant killers, battle winners. God, help us to become all that you've created us to be and reject the lies of the culture of the enemy. God, many of us standing here didn't have good examples of fathers. We look to you. We thank you that you are our Father. God, as we go from here, we, we thank you for your forgiveness, for your redemption. I pray a rejection from anyone in this room that we would receive the condemnation for failing. We thank you that forgiveness is final. So, Lord, we walk away from here redeemed, forgiven. Lord, there could be men standing even in this group who have never trusted you as their Savior. God, today, let them do that. Say, God, I put my trust in you. Forgive me of my sins, of my past, of my failures. Be my Lord, my Master. Be my Father. We look to you truly, God, as our Father. Ask for help to becoming true fathers, surrogate fathers, fathers of faith to those around us. God, help us to become men who would change this valley in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Blessings to you all.